Hello and welcome to the Candidate Support Podcast brought to you by RICS. My name is Joshua Haswell and I'm one of the Candidate Support Engagement Coordinators here at RICS. Hopefully you would have had interactions with our team, but as an overview, we design and deliver complementary material to support candidates progressing towards designation. In today's podcast, we'll focus on the candidate journey through assessment as everyone's journey will be different. Everyone has a different path, different career, different needs and wants, but as well, a different why and why you want to become a professional member of RICS. So all these factors will impact your journey at which pace and what you can do to complete it. We see candidates, depending on their experience, can complete within 6, 12 or 24 months, whereas some might just need a little bit more time and some need a few years of experience before they start. To help us delve into this topic, I'm delighted to welcome Zoe Bashforth, an MRICS member, trusted assessor, counsellor and director of WT Partnership in Auckland, New Zealand. She had her own unique journey, great career progression and now collaborative assists multiple candidates and staff depending on their career desires. Before we get started, remember, if you like our podcast and want to hear more, please let us know by leaving a review and subscribing via your favourite podcasting platform. Zoe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Josh. It only seems fair to give our listeners some more insight into your journey before you started as an RICS candidate, as I remember yours wasn't typical. Thanks, Josh. When I left school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. It's a big decision to make when you're only 18. I knew I had a passion for geography and was lucky enough to enjoy four years studying on my dream course. However, when it came to leaving university, I wasn't sure what to do, so I decided to try my hand at land surveying, as it was making maps and kind of in the same area. I went off to do my master's in land surveying and learned very quickly that I wasn't wired to study and work in the engineering field. I found it really interesting, but the engineering maths almost broke my brain. It really wasn't something I could get to grips with. I loved being out in the field light in all weather, I had a great job working at Heathrow Airport, which meant we got to do measurement on the aprons, taxiways, and even at the ILS, which was pretty exciting, but I just found the maths way too hard. So having scraped my way through the degree, a recruiter called and asked if I thought about quantity surveying, and I explained that land surveying wasn't my strength. I asked the recruiter how hard the maths was for a quantity surveyor, and once we established that I wouldn't be doing calculus, it became a very appealing option. To be totally honest, it hadn't been on my radar up to that point. I liked the idea of staying in the surveying field, having put all of that hard work in over five years of study. I worked as a QS for a contractor and for a rail consultant until eventually I was able to find a company that was happy to take me on as a non-cognate and support me through quantity surveying qualifications. As my land surveying degree was an RICS accredited degree, I was able to overlap my first two years of quantity surveying with my APC, which was great. That is a big departure from the typical journey where many of those who, you know, may join RICS are introduced to the institution at university, being approached to become a QS, you know, having a professional career already, transitioning and coming from a different industry. How did you quickly adapt and gain those necessary knowledge and expertise? Well, I did my quantity surveying degree via distance learning whilst working full time. This was a great experience as it meant that the theory and practice overlapped and made things a lot clearer for me. 
My degree ran over two years. In the second year of my degree, I was put on a large project which needed us to be co-located on site with the contractor and the client. This gave me great exposure to understanding better how a building was built, who was responsible for doing what under the contract, and learning the different drivers different people have for the successful delivery of a project. It was the best of two worlds, as I got to see how a PQS works and how a contractor's QS works. It was quite the experience, and it definitely taught me about walking in another person's shoes. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Before that, I had to gain experience on smaller projects, starting with post-contract and then gradually picking up tendering before getting the chance to help with estimates and cost plans. This meant I got experience in a range of stages of a project. I had to work my way up from folding drawings, that was back in the day when designers sent you full-size drawings and they had to be kept on a rack, kind of shows how old I am, um, and doing computational checks and then to do simple measurements before I was let loose on a project. I think all professionals can relate to that. You know, doing the work while learning means you can practice and apply that knowledge straight away. Can you share that pivotal moment that led you to wanting to join RICS and your motivation for it? Sure. The RICS qualification is so well recognized. Having a degree equivalent qualification showing that I had reached one of the highest professional standards means a lot to me. And the moment I realized that, I was started to start on my journey. I had an amazing mentor when I first set out, and he is a charter QS. He was so inspirational to me, pushed me to get the qualification, as he was so passionate about being a chartered surveyor. I was the only non-cognate in my office, which meant that whilst I felt I had a different perspective to offer from the cognate graduates, that I often felt like I was about 10 steps behind everyone else, which meant sometimes I felt quite isolated. My mentor was amazing. He encouraged me sometimes with good old-fashioned tough love, and invested time in me. I wouldn't be where I am today without him. He taught me about paying it forward, which is another reason I wanted to pursue RICS, as it means I have the opportunity to do for others what he did for me. Every few months, I know that you and I, we do connect. You know, I run introduction sessions talking about the various routes to membership and then support sessions to your staff and how they can complete their assessment journey. I really do appreciate that you have developed this culture and encourage your staff to do this regularly. But why is the journey to RICS important for the business? At WT Partnership, we are passionate about mentoring and guiding our staff throughout their careers. The RICS provides a great framework for ensuring our staff get the right breadth and depth of training. We want our staff to be successful in their roles. Achieving RICS status helps to give people confidence and help shape the path they want to take. We are passionate about our team and encourage them to develop and grow in all aspects of their careers. So we talk to our team about what they want to achieve and help them on their way to reaching their goals. The first thing we do is get people to send their CV through to the RICS so that they can be put on the best route for their experience. We explain what the APC involves and the role of the supervisor and the counsellor so that they can choose the people best suited to helping them throughout their APC. We often invite people like you to come and present to team members who are thinking about doing their APC. You provide clarity to them on what's involved and get them really excited about what's to come. Then the hard work full-on begins. We encourage our staff to plan how they will meet their competencies. As they say, how do you eat an elephant? Once it's broken down into achievable steps, 
We recommend to our team members that they meet monthly with their supervisors and every three months with their counsellors to tick off competencies at different levels. This can be done through a Q&A session and check that the plan still works over the next three months. When they're ready to submit their documentation, we help by reviewing what they put together and challenging them on the content before it gets signed off by the counsellor. Then it's on with preparation for the interview. Is there something you determine with your staff that this is a journey or a better word, opportunity to pursue? Well, we're aware that there are several options for professional qualification that are available to staff members, and it certainly isn't one size fits all. It's a big commitment for a person to make, and people need to be set up for success. Making sure they have the time available to do the qualification is very important. Everyone's circumstances are different. We support our team to have time, and we appreciate the great support you and the guidance that you provide candidates in terms of starting off on their journey getting the submissions in and the next steps to the big day. I remember a few months back, I talked to your team, some recent graduates finishing the degrees, but as well, I recall two or three had 10 years of experience. In today's landscape as the director and advocate of RICS, how do you see the journey differing for a recent graduate to someone with 10 years of experience? Does starting early or starting later make it easier or harder and why? Thanks, Josh. Well, I think there are different challenges being faced by people in both their work and personal lives. For example, someone with 10 plus years experience may have children that need their time and attention once they get home, whereas someone who's recently graduated may not have these demands. However, someone who's recently graduated may feel overwhelmed by the journey ahead to become chartered. Often graduates have recently just done the degree, think that's all that's required to be a professional, they don't always know that professional qualification is the next step for them to progress their careers. For some graduates, another two years of working towards designation can seem like a lot, but it's really only a minimal period over the next 40 years or so of their career. For someone with 10 plus years experience, undertaking the APC may not feel as overwhelming as they have the experience, but they have different demands placed on their time outside of work. And so they face a different challenge on their way becoming chartered compared with a graduate. This is why I really like the different routes to membership. They cater for the different needs of people as they start on their path to chartership at different times of their lives. The RICS Challenges Bootcamp and information that you provide is invaluable to helping people to get to the point of assessment in a way that works for them and the demands placed on them both in and out of their work. Well, it's never too late to start, and that's why I've helped to create these challenges and boot camps to reframe and provide a wider, more inclusive perspective to the RICS assessment journey for all juniors, experienced, and seasoned professionals. And it's great to hear that it is being used globally and you're using it with your team. But I'm sure, maybe not, looking back on on your journey that you had, especially when you started with RICS, is there anything that you may have done differently? There's not really that much that I would have done differently, although I wish I had known about being a QS earlier. It's changing now. People are starting to realise it's important to go to high schools, to talk to students about the opportunities to work in surveying. It's such a wide field. It would also have been great to know earlier what I needed to do to become a professional QS. I really enjoyed going through the APC. Sometimes it was a bit of a roller coaster. There were some days where I cried as it all felt like quite a lot, especially as I was working full-time, studying and working towards my APC all at once. 
There were some tough moments where I wondered if it was a field I really belonged in, but that's where having a cohort of others going through the same thing really makes a difference. It was a lot of hard work, but there was a great group of us on the same path, and that meant we supported each other and drove each other forward, especially when it felt very daunting and the self-doubt was creeping in. The positive impact of working together for all of us to be successful in an application was never to be underestimated. We also had a great training scheme at work which helped us to prepare and guided us on our way to becoming chartered surveyors. The day of my interview was probably one of the most challenging days of my life, but I passed the first time and I remember the feeling of pure elation when I got the letter congratulating me on passing. Nice. Passing the APC on your first attempt is a remarkable achievement, but working full-time, the roller coaster of study and working towards your APC, how did you overcome this? And I'm sure many candidates are in the same situation. Mum has always said, just try to do your best. You can't do any more than that. And those words really did make me think that I could do it. We all have days when we're not quite ourselves, but remembering that those days pass and that I needed to be true to myself meant that I could only ever try to do my best. It also helps I'm pretty stubborn and refuse to give in. Making sure I knew when to keep going and when to take a break was also important. And as I said earlier, making a plan and sticking to it was super important as it really is like trying to eat an elephant. The partner in charge of my office at the time that I took my APC was a woman and she made the workplace a safe environment to go and ask for the support that I needed. She's also a charter QS and she's one of the the best technical QSs I've ever known and she always wanted others to do well. She made it so that I felt that I belonged. I love it. The words and wisdom from mum, just try to do your best. Well, clearly you did your best. You didn't quit and passed the winning attitude I love to see from all of our candidates. I know we have often covered this on the RICS podcast channel, but for our listeners who are new, what are your three best tips that you would recommend that all candidates do when approaching their preparation phase for assessment? And what strategies did you employ to feel really confident in the interview? As soon as your submission is in, don't take your foot off the gas. The first thing to do is prepare your presentation You've got about eight to 10 weeks from submission to interview date, which might seem like a long time, but it will absolutely fly by. Plan what you want to say, prepare your slides, and practice, practice, practice. Do it for anyone who will listen, even the cat. Be the person who talks to themselves in traffic. It's 10 minutes long. If you're under this time, then your interviewers will have more time to ask you questions. And if it's over this time, the chairperson will stop you and this can impact on your confidence during the interview. Take the time to study, refresh yourself on any areas that you haven't had the chance to work on in the lead up to your interview. And also take the time to have a little bit of rest too. It's important you aren't absolutely exhausted on the day of your interview. Make sure you know your submission. That's where the assessors draw the majority of their questions from. So it's absolutely vital that you know what you have said for your competencies and in your case study. I appreciate you keeping it real and honest as always, but knowing your submission, I do hear this very often from assessors that this was one of the biggest reasons for referral, where you as an assessor feel the candidate is not the true author of their experience, as the candidate may say they can't remember 
don't remember, or can't even convey what they did when they clearly wrote it in the submission. Do you believe that candidates feel that their assessment journey ends when they've finished the written submission? I think so. There's a lot of work in putting together a submission and getting the submission in is a major milestone and candidates should celebrate this achievement and give themselves the chance to reset once their submission is in. However, the interview is the final assessment and it's not a situation most people are that familiar with. We're all used to writing papers and doing exams, but an interview situation is very different. Setting up mock interviews throughout the time from submitting and setting the assessment will help you on the big day. A lot of people say the mock is harder than the real thing, and that's because they're not used to the interview situation. So mocks may be confronting, but it's better to feel that way in the mock than in the final assessment, and will mean that you're more confident going into the interview on the day. There is so much support and opportunities for candidates to best prepare, and thank you for highlighting that. You know, One thing I'm sure the community would like to know, what are the common mistakes or misconceptions that candidates have during the assessment process, and how can they avoid them along their journey? Candidates often think it's the responsibility of the company, their counsellor or supervisor to plan their training and get them over the line. Whilst a lot of those people are keen to support and help candidates successfully gain their professional qualification, it's a candidate's qualification and it's their responsibility to make sure that they get the experience that they need. I always say we're on the bus with the candidates and we want to get to the same destination as them, but they're the ones in charge of driving the bus. I know you do great work to help candidates with this. I've seen candidates come forward to interview where it's clear that they haven't been provided with the right level of support along the way. I'd say make sure you understand from the outset what support you need to help you achieve your RICS status. There are so many amazing charter surveyors out there who will be happy to help you. We know not all of you work in companies where there's the opportunity to have this support. I've been a counsellor for several people outside my organisation. Don't be afraid to ask the RICS for contacts who could help you. I also recommend joining the Matrix Group if you're just starting out on your career. This will help you build your support network with others who are also embarking on their APC and you'll get to meet people who have just completed their APC journey, which is an enormous help. Thank you. I know that all professionals echo this. I know when you started, it was more about that mentoring, gaining experience and putting yourself first to get the projects and experience. As an assessor for RICS, is there anything else that you would additionally recommend candidates do in preparation for starting or while progressing on their journey through assessment process? Be kind to yourself. It's not always an easy journey. If you think you need a bit longer before you set your assessment, that's what you need to do. You need to feel ready when you go forward to interview. Zoe, I'm picking up that, you know, I hope I interpret this correctly, but the journey to become a professional member isn't a starting and finishing point that can be really defined by a fixed time, but rather ongoing. We know that, yes, you are a director now, but after successfully completing the APC, how did this impact your career and personal growth? It made me feel more confident in my abilities, which meant I was able to back myself more. We don't stop learning and growing. I enjoy what I do because I learn something new every day. The requirement for CPD supports this and I get to go and learn about things I'm passionate about and meet new people as part of this, which is also very enriching. It certainly means I'm not afraid of a challenge and I'm keen to find solutions. 
I've gone from literally not knowing what a QS does and worrying that I wouldn't ever be able to understand it, as it was so different from anything I had ever done, to being super proud of what I do and the contribution I've made over the years as a result of the great structured training I had from the outset. From not knowing a thing about QSing to being a director, that's very (laughs) inspirational. And I hope all the listeners out there, they can take away that this is a great message that you can do this. You know, networking, which you hinted towards, where you like meeting new people and how this can be very enriching. I know this is one of the biggest wins that candidates can do early on in their careers and something echoed by members worldwide. But Zoe, I'm sure you did and still do continue to develop professionally and how after gaining your RICS qualification, did this open doors and new opportunities? The opportunities to develop never stop. Having that designation, it pushed me to maintain my professional standards and high standard of work. Beside this, I just work hard. I firmly believe that if you do a good job, you'll reap the rewards as you are continually growing and you build trust. As my mum says, be the best you can be every day. I have been able to learn so much from my mentors along the way that I am now in a position where I'm able to work in areas that I always wanted to, like helping clients with budget problems setting projects up for success, to providing expert opinions where disputes have arisen to help affect outcomes for people. As I've said, the requirement for CPD for all members supports our growth in development. Becoming chartered will give you a great foundation on which to build your career. It means that you've proven that you have the breadth and the depth of experience to advise your clients. Having the designation, my MRICS certificate and my name on the RICS website say that I've proved myself. It means that even when people don't know me personally, that they know I'm a trusted professional. And so I haven't needed to be tested at job interviews since I became chartered. And far less so as my experience has grown over the years with my professional reputation. The qualification is globally recognized, which will give you great opportunities both here in Oceania, as well as overseas. Certainly made my relocation to New Zealand a lot more straightforward. I know being a professional member, you know, counsellor, assessor, you have that big picture of all the resources at your disposal, the do's and do nots, how to prepare, how to complete. Do you have any parting advice for aspiring candidates who are embarking on their journey with RICS and any resources that you would recommend? Having as much practice as possible. But I know that many candidates may not have a big professional network. I recommend they read reread and read about the process and what is expected. The Lionheart also as well have an extensive support page that has webinars and videos on presentation practice, tips all candidates should do, including health and mental well-being resources. I know that your team globally also run a final assessment preparation workshop, which I suggest to all candidates to attend. But as well as that, reach out to your support network in all areas of your life. It's a demanding process and people want you to do well and succeed. Draw on their strength and guidance. Remember, all charter surveyors have been there. They remember what it was like to do the APC and they'll be more than happy to share their wisdom with you. So a simple plan and to recap. Your submission should be a true reflection of your work and experience. Think really carefully about your content. The assessors will take the majority of the questions from what you have put into your submission. Know your submission inside out. It's your experience. Having sat on both sides of the interview table, I know how important it is that the candidate knows what they've said in the documentation. 
prepare your presentation as soon as your submission is in, then practice, practice, practice. It's the only 10 minutes you get in the whole interview when no one is allowed to ask you questions. Time it so it is 10 minutes. The cat will still talk to you after hearing your presentation over and over in the lead up to your interview. Have some mock interviews to prepare you for your big day. It's better for it to go not so well in the mock than in the real thing. Revise, read through your notes, look at practice questions. This will sharpen your memory. And you may have a colleague who loves giving pop quizzes, so get them to help. Reach out to your network for support. It's important that you get the support you need, both inside and outside of work, as it can be quite a roller coaster journey. Look at all the resources the RACS makes available to you. There's some great content available and it won't cost you anything. Reach out to awesome people like Josh who will help you in any way they're able to do. Well, thank you for that. And on that note, I think we've come to the end of today's podcast. So what have we learned? You know, the APC is a transformative journey that can be embraced and experienced, not merely just a challenge to overcome. While you can only try your best to succeed, success and becoming MRICS or a professional member of RICS will help open many doors and opportunities. Use and connect with the professional network around you. Have a plan, but remembering you can always change that plan to suit your needs, such as what Zoe has done for herself. RSES has many great resources, including the challenges, boot camps, podcasts, weekly and monthly support sessions, and Lionheart that can help you with your preparation. And we'll share these links to these resources in the bio of this podcast. And remember to speak to your counselor, employer, and RICS to see how we can additionally help and support you on your journey to designation. And a huge thank you to Zoe for joining us today. It has been a pleasure. And any final tips you want to share with our candidates listening? Thank you so much for having me, Josh. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. It may feel quite challenging along the way, but it's absolutely worth it. The APC is difficult if you don't have the experience, but easier when you confidently know that you can do the work. I gave myself an extra six months, which meant I passed the first time. Oh, thank you so much, Zoe. And what a great way to end our chat today. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please let us know by leaving a review. The candidate support team will be hosting regular podcasts around a variety of topics to support you on your journey to designation. We have some exciting guest speakers joining us along the way. And remember to subscribe via your favorite podcasting platform for future episodes. Thank you for listening and take care.